0: Talk about the power of general persuasion. And it's fitting that as we bring this series to a close, we think of the voice of God and the voice with which he speaks to us. And when we think of the voice of God, it really it it we we really need to think of the voices of God, because it seems that God seems to speak with different voices. In the Bible, let me show you what I mean. It says in Joshua, Joshua said to the people. You are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. What we see here, this doesn't feel very gentle. But then we have a passage like this. Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The question then that we ask is, which is the voice of God? Is it the voice of law? Or is it the voice of love? Or is it a blend of both? In your worship folder, I'd like you to take out, there is a sheet there with a reading from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, an article that I'd, writ, that I'd written at another time. I'd just like to read this through. So if you want to follow along with me um, from the Base for Grace, here's what it says God is harsh, frightening, violent, gentle, fatherly, peaceful. Both lists are biblical. What is God really like? Hebrews 1, it says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. God is self-revealing by nature, talkative, an extrovert. God spoke through prophets. It says in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. The words of prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah preserved for us in the Bible. We can learn about God by reading the words of the prophets. God speaks through His Son. If we want to hear God speak clearly, we need to listen to the words of Jesus Christ. Creation and the prophets reveal God partially. Jesus reveals God fully. says the Son Is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being we see the glory of God the Father reflected in the face of God the Son what is glory imagine a child returning home after a long time away family and friends are gathered for a welcome home party when the child arrives the faces of those waiting light up with love and joy this is glory glory is esteem It is the regard that enfolds one who is loved. To be bathed in the light of people's regard is to be bathed in people's glory. To be bathed in the light of God's regard is to be bathed in God's glory. God the Father impressed his love on his Son. Jesus is the exact representation of his being. A representation is the likeness a stamp makes on an object. Jesus was stamped by the love and character of God. We call God's love into question. When we experience trouble, we assume that God has abandoned us. Jesus never doubted the presence of the father with him. He expressed his divine nature by his steadfast refusal to live outside of the glory of his father. Jesus lived his entire life in the light of the father's regard. God, the father expressed his love through his son. The old Testament can be confusing. In fact, the old and new testaments of the Bible don't seem to be talking about the same God. In the Old Testament, we find genocide, bloody rituals. We wonder if we really want to know the God that we read about there. So, what is God really like? Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Through Jesus' words and deeds, the true nature of God's love fully shines. God's prophets revealed his shadow. God's son reveals his face. How does God feel about you? His face lights up. It does raise a question. Why the conflicting voices? Why, when we come to the Bible, do we have to talk about the voices of God rather than the voice of God? Paul addressed this question in his letter to the Galatians. What he says, What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world In Roman families, a child was placed under managers until he reached the age where he was legally allowed to become an heir. He was placed under the supervision of a tutor until the child was 14. And then he was further placed under the supervision of a curator or steward until he was age 25. The administrators and managers controlled the property and the finances of the miner. He couldn't make decisions, although he owned things, he could make no decisions about the things that he had. They deprived him, the managers, of independent action so that in reality, his liberty is reduced to that of a slave. The curators and managers were usually slaves and they treated the miner in a very forceful, harsh way. They made sure he learned exactly what he needed to learn. After this period of supervision, though, was completed, up to age 14 and then to age 25, after it was completed, something significant shifted in the life of this child, this son or daughter. At that point, the father took over the supervision of the child. And the child received the full rights of sons. He no longer, or she, was under the authority of the temporary guardian. This understanding of how Roman adoption and child-rearing occurred is what Paul uses to help us understand the change brought about by Jesus. It also explains why the first half of the Bible seems so different from the second half. It says, so also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. Prior to Jesus coming, prior to Jesus coming, God treated mankind the way a Roman father treated his young child, the minor. Um, The Old Testament reflects the supervision of guardians and manager. They were harsher, not a lot of love, some love perhaps, but it was not the same relationship that the child would enter when 25 and when the child was accepted as a son. It was a different kind of relationship. Um, It says in the Bible that the law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. And what it's suggesting is that from Mount Sinai, the individuals that informed Moses, that informed individuals of the law, actually were angels. God inaugurated the law through angels and through Moses. Angels, let's think about angels briefly. Angels are unembodied spirit beings, spirit beings without a body. What are we? We are embodied spirit beings. Spirit beings housed in a body. Angels can't understand what it's like to be an embodied spirit being because they're not embodied spirit beings. That's why in the Old Testament, there's not, there's some peeking through. There's not a lot of compassion all the time, especially from angels. When an angel shows up, they were severe, um, harsh. Conversely, Now, okay, angels are unembodied spirit beings. We're embodied spirit beings. Here's a question. Who's Jesus? Unembodied spirit being, embodied spirit being. He was an embodied spirit being. He came, came into a body, was born. And remember what happened when he died? When they put him in the tomb and he rose from the dead... And John and Peter went in and looked. you remember what they saw when they looked at the tomb? Did they see a body there? They saw all kinds of burial cloths, but the body was gone. When Jesus moved into a body, he never left. And you know what that means? That's why Jesus can understand you and I, because he's an embodied spirit being like you and I are. Contrary to angels, he is able to sympathize or empathize with us. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, if I was to put it in one word, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is empathy, compassion. Because the representative of God in the New Testament, Jesus, he understands what it's like to be an embodied spirit being and angels don't. Um, now, you might say, well, what's happening here? Did God make a mistake? I mean, why did he send angels in the first place? If he was going to replace them, with the son. He didn't make a mistake. Angelic influence was a temporary measure. It was a temporary measure. The way guardians and trustees were temporarily put in charge, it was temporary. Like a Roman father putting his children under the guardians until they came of age. Look what happens. Here's what God did. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. It says, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of son. Jesus' coming is likened to a father absolving the guardians and trustees of their responsibility. When the father assumed responsibility, at that time he absolved the guardian and trustees of their responsibility. You don't need to oversee my son or daughter anymore. Their role was over and now the role of the father was in place. That's the way we are to understand what happens Um, in the Bible, the second half of the Bible reflects the absolving of the supervision of angels and the acceptance of responsibility of the Father. That's why the Bible feels so different. There's a story in Israel's history that, that might help to reflect a little bit of the way these things work. Antiochus Epiphanes was a foreign ruler who... Treated the Jews much like Hitler did. He was just committed to absolutely wiping them out. He had a son named Antiochus Eupater. Before taking a trip, he put the kingdom and his son Antiochus under the care of a guardian, a trustee, whose name was Lysias. The son was too young to occupy the throne. He was a minor, so it wasn't appropriate to give his son the full rights that he would experience one day so he did lysias was put in charge and um, this was a temporary measure god placing his children under the care of the law is like antiochus placing the kingdom under the care of lysias it was a temporary measure what ended up happening antiochus returned and took charge from lysias he didn't leave him in charge In the same way, when God sent his son, when God sent his son, he took over the job of supervision, purpose, personally, in the form of his son. That's why it's important to understand that Jesus is God. He is the reflection of what God is like. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the difference between delegated supervision and direct supervision. In the Old Testament, it's delegated supervision. In the New Testament, it's direct supervision. God coming into a relationship with his children personally. To be a Christian then, let's try to understand what all this means. To be a Christian is to come out from under the jurisdiction of old covenant law and the mediation of angels. It means that God no longer relates to us in that way. He did at one point, but then when he sent his son, that first phase has been annulled, and it's been replaced by another one. It says Christ died to redeem those who were under the law. To redeem someone means two things at that time. It means to release someone from slavery and to restore them to sonship. What Jesus came to do in redeeming us, he came to release us from being slaves, and restore us to sonship. That's what redeem means. Now, I want you to imagine that you have related to the Father, but you really haven't related to the Father. You have related to the guardians and trustees that the Father placed you under. I wonder what it would be like when you came to age 14 and then to age 25. You're no longer under the supervision of the Master, you now come under the the supervision of the Father. I would imagine that that would be a little bit confusing if you spent your whole life relating to someone. And that's what it says is because we're sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. It calls the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus illustration. Let's say, let's say that we have a child here. We have two, two kids sitting up front here. This child, let's say was raised in a very strict abuse of home. He wasn't loved sufficiently, wasn't cared for. What would this child act like? He might be depressed. He might be nervous. He probably has some behavioral issues, maybe night sweats, night terrors. He wouldn't feel very secure. He would have a hard time being comfortable. Okay, you got this child now? Now let's say there's another child next to him, and this child was raised in a loving home. Again, there were some issues, but by and large, he was loved, accepted, and cared for. How would this child act? His behavior problems, maybe they wouldn't be as severe. It would be a little bit calmer, a little bit less insecure. Would you agree with me? So what's the difference between these two kids? Would you agree? It's the image of the kind of treatment they received from the parent. This one has the image of a parent who was harsh and forceful. This one had the image of a parent that was gentle. I have a question. What would happen if we could take this child's mindset and put it in this child's brain? What would happen if the calmness and the security of being loved could be transported from this child and placed inside the brain of this one. What would happen to this child? Would you agree with me? It would make a difference in his life. My father loves me, my mother loves me. They're gonna be there for me, they always have. These are the thoughts that are gonna roll around his head. Do you know what Jesus came to do? Jesus was this child, the one who related to God, as a son of a beloved father and you know who you and i are we're this kid we raise we're raised in places where we don't know the love of god as clearly as jesus did you know what god sent jesus to do the spirit that part of jesus that com- that thought of conceived of the father god sent jesus so that the spirit the sense that Jesus had of the Father could be taken from Jesus and placed into our mind. That's exactly what the Spirit does. You know why God sends his Spirit? To help you think about God the way Jesus did. You know, there's people that talk about what the Spirit does because when you do something wrong, the spirit says, ah, 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 I want to suggest that's not what the spirit does. You know what the spirit, the job of the spirit is, is to help you conceive of the father the way Jesus conceived of his father. I have a question. And we talked about these kids. What would it change if we believed and saw the father like Jesus saw the father? our confidence of being loved with you now again we're not perfect and it doesn't say we need to be perfect for this to happen even though we're imperfect jesus identity his understanding of the father goes into our head even though we didn't earn it if we believe that god well let me ask you a question is there anything that jesus could have done to be more loved by the father anything any obedience that he didn't accomplish you know what happens when you become a Christian? What's true of Jesus becomes true of you. That's what it means, that when you become a Christian, God, what's true of Jesus becomes true of you, that there's nothing you can do to be more loved by the Father because God's relationship with you is the is relationship he had with the Son. Now that seems kind of odd, but I do have a question. It's the same question. I wonder what difference it would make if we believed God loved us the way Jesus believed that God loved him. You think that would make a change in our lives? You think it would reflect itself in the way we lived in the world, the way we talked to God? That's what, that's what we find here. Um, we have two divine voices, the voice of law and the voice of love. I have a question, trick question, hard question. Two divine voices, the voices of God, the voice of law and the voice of love, both are in the Bible. Question, which is the voice of God? A trick. it's from one perspective um they were both the voice of god from one perspective was it the purpose of the father to put the child under the supervision of the guardian and the trustee was that the father's did they just no it's the father so in one respect that did reflect the father from another perspective though It didn't reflect the father, did it? What am I saying? God revealed himself fully through Jesus Christ. And that's what we're to understand. Um, It can be difficult. We get both of these images in our brain. Uh, We have one voice in some parts of the Bible that cause us to relate to God as slaves. We have another voice that causes us to relate to God as sons. And if we fail to understand what's happening, you know what we can try to do? We can try to cram both these images of God into our brain. You know what that leads to? Spiritual schizophrenia. On the one hand, I'm loved. On the other hand, I'm not. Here's and I'm gonna close with this. The voice of law was temporarily the voice of God. Temporarily. It did not reveal who God is. The voice of God is the voice of love, not the voice of law. The voice of God is gentle, not forceful. When we understand this, it leads to spiritual maturity. We struggle to understand it, and all of us do. It causes us to get stuck in spiritual immaturity and becomes the cause, I think, of a lot of spiritual ills. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, uh, yeah, there's, seems like you speak with voices in the Bible. Like the voice from Joshua, That seems harsh. And we hear jesus speak and it seems gentle and we wonder what do you really like and what your word indicates you are how jesus reflected you to be he is the full revelation of what you're like and so um, that's what we are to believe and i'd ask that we understand that you put law in place for purpose and the purpose of law was set aside when Jesus came. And now that's what you would have us understand. That's who you would have us listen to as your voice. I guess I'd ask that little by little, we would understand what your voice is like. So it would lead us to become more secure in your love and more obedient, more uh, more able to reflect love. Because as it says, we love, because you first loved us. I pray that we would take in your love so that we would be better able to reflect it to others, in Jesus' name, amen. Next week, we're gonna talk about the war within. That's gonna be an interesting series. We're gonna work through Romans seven, one through eight. We'll take our time, and it's gonna be a lot of interesting things.